This is Safe Zone, the podcast by OHS Canada, the national occupational health and safety magazine published by Annex Business Media. You've tuned in to hear conversations with Canadian safety professionals on the latest in OHS trends and research. Hello and welcome to Safe Zone, OHS Canada's national podcast for health and safety professionals. I'm your host, Marcel Vanderweer, editor of OHS Canada. I'm joined today by Alan Quilly, president of Safety Results in Sherwood Park, Alberta. Alan is a regular columnist with OHS Canada, writing on safety management. Welcome, Alan, and thanks for sharing your time with me today. Well, thank you, Marcel. It's a pleasure to be here with you. It's an interesting topic for sure. Yes, today, Alan and I will be discussing the COVID-19 pandemic's effect on the safety profession. On March 11, COVID-19 was declared a pandemic by the World Health Organization. Since that time, Canada and other countries around the world have experienced various forms of lockdowns, economic shutdowns, and social upheaval due to health and safety efforts such as physical distancing and masks. As of August 1st, there have been more than 17 million confirmed cases of COVID-19 worldwide. 682,000 people have died. The pandemic has elevated workplace health and safety concerns to the forefront of all businesses. And Alan, this is where I'm looking forward to hearing your perspectives. So why don't we begin? Alan, as you're well aware, the coronavirus has disrupted workplaces across the globe, quite possibly changing the world of work as we know it. What do you believe will be the most significant effect of COVID-19 on the workplace? Most certainly, it's, it's a worldwide pandemic. My goodness, uh, who would have guessed? Um, many of us had prepared for it. Uh, I was involved with uh, some of that a few years ago. Uh, but, you know, the reality uh, hit us hard. And without a doubt, I believe the number one change in thinking in the, is the business knowledge that people can work quite effectively remotely. Hordes of people are working from home and isolating. And uh, this is an experiment that no one a few years ago was willing to invest in. I mean, we always thought working remotely was probably a good idea, but, you know, the cost of doing that and, and businesses were a little shy about uh, taking that step. Well, all of a sudden we have no choice. And now we know. Uh, and I'm guessing that office space in most uh, large cities is uh, uh, the vacancy rates are going to go through the roof because I honestly believe that companies recognize that we can work remotely. Uh, most of the management staff and the administration uh, staff uh, can work remotely uh, with uh, not too many uh, uh, challenges we can't get around. Now, it does give us a challenge of the uh, psychosocial aspects of you know being stuck in your house and working alone. But it was interesting, I read an article just this morning in Inc.com and uh, uh, Siemens has a, a really interesting approach to this. Uh, their new remote work policy is really a masterclass in emotional intelligence. Uh, it's, it makes two major points. One, focus on outcomes, not hours put in, and trust and empower your employees. And I think that general culture shift in businesses will spill over to the way we manage safety. The impact on company culture will be huge. And the subculture of safety, I believe this is a game changer. Um, you know, doing uh, safety with employees is more effective than doing 
it to them. And now we have to trust them. Uh, the, the nature of the beast, we'll get it done. And uh, so I'm actually encouraged by what we're learning, even though it's a horrible way to learn it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. Excellent start, uh, Alan, to the conversation. As you mentioned, workplace health and safety has been at the forefront of the COVID-19 response efforts. What type of changes will this pandemic cause in regards to the OHNS profession itself? Yeah, interesting question. I, I obviously do a lot of thinking about this I, since I coach uh, professionals uh, a lot. That's that's what I do uh, a lot in my day. And I, I honestly believe what's happening is a reinforcement of safety basics. Um, you know, the successes and failures of the efforts around the globe have shown us th that what works is simple uh, energy barrier model safety. You know, keep the hazard away from the people and the people away from the hazard. And when you look at, the, the, you know, the, the CDC and, and the World Health Organization's recommendations, it is the hierarchy of safety. It, it stands up safety basic stands up uh, even in the uh, in a world pandemic we go back to the basics and the basics work uh, so i think that's the first uh, positive that's coming out of the out of uh, the pandemic is we are really learning that we know how to do this and when we do it we get good results when we don't do it and there are many examples of that when we don't do it well we get horrible results I think the other thing that's that's really get, going to challenge our profession is many of our jobs require us to travel a lot. Uh, I mean, you'll have one uh, safety consultant for a company and they're expected to go to different sites and see what's going on. My goodness, uh, travel is going to be challenging for many years to come. Uh, and I'm not sure how that's going to affect people, but I'm gonna guess we're gonna need more, you know, boots on the ground at the locations where uh, the industrial work is going on. So I believe that that's certainly going to be an issue, as well as this idea of testing for fitness for work. I mean, there's discussions about taking uh, uh, employees' temperature before they uh, enter the building. Well, you're doing a medical test on someone, and uh, we're going to have some struggles with just how do we do that and uh, using confidentiality, uh, being uh, able to do that with confidence, uh, and then what happens with the results? I think we're going to see some very interesting legal challenges to all of all of these um, uh, quick fixes that we're coming up with. Mm -hmm. For now, the virus has resulted in some common prevention tactics: washing your hands frequently, wearing facial coverings, physical distancing if possible. As employers turn to these and other reasonable precautions in the reopening process, I'm curious to your thoughts, Alan, on COVID-19 as simply being another hazard for health and safety professionals to address. Is this the case in your mind, or do you view this virus as a totally different beast? Well, interesting, as I mentioned before, I've had some experience with this. I, I was managing the occupational health and safety efforts at Capital Health uh, in uh, in Alberta, when we believed we may had had a SARS case, and uh, that immediately uh, uh, put us into this uh, reaction mode, and we leaned heavily on the CDC and the World Health Organization on what to do. And guess what? What to do is basically that universal protection against viruses. You hand wash, you protect your eyes, your respiratory system. Uh, you don't get it in your body. 
by uh, using barriers like masks and, and uh, eye protection, uh, distancing, uh, isolation. And those are fundamentally basic safety operations and it's the hierarchy of controls. So I think once we get past the emotion of, my God, there's a world pandemic, and we slip to the basics and we slip to what we know uh, what to do, um, this is like any other hazard, albeit it's a very dangerous hazard and, and the, uh, uh, the mortality rates are, 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 are scary. Uh, but that doesn't change the fact that we have to stick to the basics. Get back to the, the, the basics of, uh, of uh, energy and barriers and keeping people away from harmful air energy and using the hierarchy of controls, uh, which we all in the business know, and, uh, and, and we'll do fine. And when we don't do it, uh, we see uh, very poor results. And, and there's worldwide data to, to demonstrate that without question. Those folks who did it well got great results and controlled this virus. Um, uh, those who didn't, uh, it's a disaster. In terms of logical health and safety measures, do you believe COVID-19 has prompted safety professionals to reevaluate any processes or procedures? Uh, do you think there are any traditional safety measures that may not serve workplaces as well moving forward? You discussed uh, me being a columnist at uh, the magazine. Uh, I've been writing about safety logically, and frankly, this is this is my version of uh, let's get back to basics. Uh, let's think. Um, Using our known strategies, uh, we can we can make a difference. And uh, I, I've seen lately we we've made safety very complex. There are folks who are trying to make it very complex. And I don't know why that is. Why? What's the motivation to make it complex? But it's not that complex. Um, you know, particularly in this situation, uh, you know, avoid the harmful energies, get out of the line of fire of this virus, use the barriers and strategies of the hierarchy of controls, uh, you know, eliminate it, uh, distance, keep away from the, the harmful energy. If you can't and you have to be close to it, barrier the, uh, the, the vulnerable parts of your body, you know, wear a mask, uh, wash your hands so you're not transferring the, the energies. And then knowing the ABCs of human behavior, activator behavior consequence, uh, you activate hand washing by signs and, and, and encouragement. And then you, you check to make sure people are washing their hands and you give consequences and you congratulate them if they are doing it well and coach them if they're not. And when we use all of that, and, and that's, that's really basic safety, and you measure that we're actually doing the things that we're planning to do, that we know we should do. When you measure it, then you're actually doing safety uh, in the most fundamental way and a very effective way. I don't think we need complex. I think we need simple human behavior uh, methodologies and uh, systems that everyone can understand. This is not a difficult thing to protect yourself against COVID, but you have to do it. You have to turn that knowledge into actual behaviors. And when you do, and we've seen this, we couldn't afford an experiment like this. When we see the countries that have done it well and they got the results, those companies that didn't do, or countries that didn't do it well, um, they suffered and they're still suffering. Alan, that, that's a great segue into my next question. And 
I'd like to get your thoughts on some of the misinformation or alternate solutions for COVID-19 that have been widely shared on social media, for instance. Can you comment on how this affects safety culture and how to overcome this in the workplace if necessary? Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, misinformation is pervasive and rampant on the internet. Um, critical thinking is the, really the only defense for that. Uh, and we need to teach it and we need to live it in our organizations. Uh, you know, referencing recognized sources and, and recognizing the huge difference between an opinion and that information that is supported by facts and research. Um, we need to teach people about the scientific method. Uh, it's more important today than ever. Uh, in the past, misinformation had to find a publisher and it had to be put in a magazine or uh, published in a newspaper. Now everyone and his dog can have an opinion and create a blog and, and make wild and crazy claims uh, that just aren't valid. I think that's one of our biggest challenges is, is, is organizations not only have to uh, disperse valid information, we have to make sure we understand the difference between casual opinion and uh, recognize sources of verifiable information. Yeah, excellent point, Alan. My final question for you, Alan, deals with emergency management. And over the past few months, I've heard a few critics questioning why Canada wasn't ready for a pandemic of this nature, as we have dealt with epidemics and pandemics before. Can you comment on this and share how emergency management planning could change to brace against worldwide viruses like this in the future? Yeah, I, I, no, this is the million dollar question, uh, the millions of dollar question. Uh, the challenge in emergency management is always the calculation of risk. I mean, it wasn't, we didn't know about pandemics. We know about pandemics. Uh, I was on a planning committee uh, for, uh, and frankly, it was a pandemic that was much worse than this one. Uh, the risk of pandemics is well known, and it's not really a question for anyone who has a reasonable education that they were going to come. One day we were going to have this, and we will have others. The challenge is always funding that possibility of a particular risk actually happening. So we can say, yeah, that could happen. Yeah, but how likely is it? And is it going to happen on my watch? And our, our governments who are, need funding through tax dollars, and how, how are we going to pay for the maybe when we're faced with some real challenges that are happening today and are overwhelmingly obvious? So how are we funding um, a, a, a fix to a current challenge? And how do we separate the money, the time and effort that we need to protect yourself against this, maybe. Uh, this is the biggest challenge I see uh, in, uh, in emergency management, is how do you sell the idea that we have to get ready for something that may or may not happen um, on our watch, uh, particularly for uh, politicians. Uh, politicians are in, in four-year cycles. They think in four-year cycles because they got to get reelected. Um, you know, administrations, even if we don't think in four-year cycles and we think long-term, my God, we might have a pandemic in the next 20 years. How are we going to get the attention of someone who's trying to get reelected and deal with the present dangers, the present challenges? Uh, this has always been a difficult uh, situation. Uh, in hindsight, we'll find that Canada, although uh, we could have done better, I think obviously hindsight is always 2020. 
uh, we could have done better. Uh, we did pretty well, uh, all things considered. Alan, thank you so much for your insights on this. I realize this pandemic is far from over, but changes to workplace health and safety have been swift and immediate. I'm sure there will be more time to reflect in the months and years ahead, but for now, this has been helpful in terms of deciphering where the safety profession is headed. Thanks again for your time. Have a great rest of your summer. Thank you, Marcel. You stay healthy. Thank you for tuning into Safe Zone, the podcast by OHS Canada. To hear more of our episodes or to find the latest workplace safety headlines from across the country, visit ohscanada.com.